We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Well, we're uh, we're rolling along here on the Oregon Football Recruiting Hour for August 18th, 2023. I'm your host, Max Torres. Uh, if you guys are here on the live stream, do me a quick favor and hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And then also while you're at it, click that notification bell so you don't miss out on future uploads and future live streams just like this one. It is Friday and uh, Friday Night Lights are back tonight. I cannot wait hitting the road in, in, in just a couple hours. So wanted to get on here for this podcast and, and chat with you guys. So we'll have to see. Um, here's a fun question. This one comes from Daniel Luis Garcia. Thanks for the question, Daniel. Will Oregon go back to the uniforms that they were known for? When Mario Cristobal came in, he changed that and made it more subdued with less flashy options. Is this something that will change in the future? Love, love, love talking about uniforms, especially when it comes to Oregon. That's really part of what made them, uh, you know, kind of well-known in the sport that coinciding with their achievement on the field. Um, I feel like they'll probably go back to, you know, some of the, I think that my best guess for uniforms is that they'll do some kind of a blend between, uh, excuse me, some kind of a blend between the uniforms of old and maybe some of the more recent stuff we've seen and, and moving forward. Um, I think when, when you're, when you're a school like Oregon, when you're Nike U, there, there's always going to be new, fresh, uh, engaging, flashy, fun uniforms that come in uh, on a yearly basis. But it's how much those get used, how much they get worn, rotated in, that is kind of up for debate. Um, I remember, I don't know if it was, it might, I can't remember if it was Mario or if it was Willie. I want to say it was Willie was asked that question. Uh, about flashy uniforms or wearing new uniforms every week and you know why did you stop doing that and and I think Willie I want to say it was said well we're not playing like a team that deserves it so we're not going to do that and that might have been one of the one of the more you know interesting comments that he made during his time as a head coach that I actually agreed with when when you saw how poorly Oregon was playing under Willie Taggart they they weren't playing like a team that deserved those uniforms that deserved that flash um, that luxury of having those new uniforms so I think with Lanning, he's definitely not a super flashy guy, but you know, and he'll obviously have some kind of an input on the uniforms, one would think. Um, but just with the culture that he has instilled at Oregon, I think he's done a really good job of especially with you know how he managed shout last year. I think that was something that he kind of cautiously 
waded into as far as having his guys lean into that tradition and, and celebrate and enjoy themselves while at the same time saying, Hey, that tradition's great and everything. We love our fans. We love the atmosphere at Otson, but we got a ball game to play. So we can't be celebrating on, on the sideline when the game's not even over yet or when it's still a close game. So I wonder if that kind of a discussion has any merit or any, uh, any carryover in a discussion like this with the uniforms. But I think especially with Oregon moving to the Big Ten, I think that they're going to want to do that in a big way. So maybe we we won't see anything super new or super flashy until 2024. I think they – I'm trying to think of the last time they released, like, new base uniforms, you know, when they have, like, three or four mannequins in the duck store windows with, like, kind of preset uniforms. Um, it's a little hard to tell with Oregon because I feel like they always keep you on the edge of your seat. They always keep you on your toes when it comes to the uh, the uniform stuff. But uh, that'll have to be something that we keep an eye on. And uh, I think that uh, if if I want to see them wear those 2014 the pick uniforms again in uh, homage to Kenny Wheaton's the pick uh, against Washington. So I'd love to see those broken out again. I'd love to see more of that nightmare green that they used in 2019. Those were some of my favorites. Uh, let me know what you guys are thinking about that or the Oregon uniforms and, and what you want to see them do in the 2023 season, either in the live chat or in the comments below. All right. What other, what other questions do we have out there? All right. This is another fun one. You guys are just keeping it going with a lot of great questions. Let me grab a little bit of water before we get to this one. Next question comes from Living the Duck Life. Living the Duck Life asks, Oregon at Washington, Oregon at Utah, or USC at Oregon? Which one or ones could be game day locations in your eyes? Man, always, always get excited uh, uh, when we talk about college game day. Oregon did make it on college game day last year for their home battle against Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. Now we're looking at some of the premier Pac-12 matchups for the Ducks here in 2023. Um, man, we got some really good ones. You have the rivalry game against Washington on the road in Seattle. I was there the last time they played in Seattle, and that was a rainy, cold, windy battle of a game. Oregon at Utah. Dan Lanning gets his first taste of Salt Lake City with Kyle Whittingham and the back-to-back Pac-12 champion Utes. Or Lincoln Riley and reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams coming up to Eugene to play against Oregon. Ooh, this is this is a tough one. Um, I think of this list, maybe I can rank them a little bit. I'm gonna go USC at Oregon for that top spot for best uh, best game day location because just being in Eugene is obviously such a bonus and uh, you know my favorite place to watch a college football game. Um, all the hype that both of these teams have, the the recruiting rivalry between Dan Lanning and Lincoln Riley, and a great defensive mind versus a great offensive mind. Oregon's defense being put to the test facing a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, come on, man. There's there's so many good headlines there. Oregon joining the Big Ten after USC said that they didn't want them in the Big Ten. The, the storylines are writing themselves here, guys. Uh, but I would have to say that that's number one. I'm going to go Oregon at Utah at number two as a, as a possible game day location um, because not a lot of teams can win in uh, Salt Lake city. It's not uh, it's not an easy place to play. And you got to look at when Oregon is playing Utah. 
Right now it's scheduled for October 28th on Saturday in Salt Lake City. And that comes right after Oregon plays Washington and Washington State. So kind of relatively early in the season, I feel like they usually play Utah in November. So maybe that one would fade Utah a little bit um, in terms of just being a game day location because there's not as much on the line. We know that it's already kind of an uphill battle for the Pac-12 or Pac-12 schools, Pac-12 teams to to make it on game day. Um, but I think Utah would certainly be a great location, especially with Kyle Whittingham. And I love Cameron Rising as a quarterback. That dude is incredibly gritty, um, just made of the right stuff and a, a supreme competitor. And then you have Washington, Oregon looking for some revenge on the road in Seattle at Husky Stadium, uh, which – Washington fans call the greatest setting in college football. Maybe this will upset some fans, but if you guys haven't been out to Husky Stadium to see a game, uh, I would definitely recommend that you check it out, especially if you're in the Northwest. I mean, I I love the Northwest. I like Seattle as a city. Uh, That stadium is right on the water, and it is pretty beautiful and pretty amazing. Definitely a fun spot to watch the game, Um, but maybe you go for a non-Oregon-Washington game just so that you're not as – emotionally invested in that game. So I'm going to go Oregon versus Washington at number three, even though the Ducks will be looking for revenge against Kalen DeBoer, Michael Penix, and the Huskies, uh, who had the best passing offense in the entire country last year, certainly gave the Ducks plenty of problems in that home matchup against the Huskies. I was in Eugene for that game, and that was just brutal to see the air sucked out of the stadium, what felt like multiple times in that late fourth quarter. Uh, the, the touchdown against uh, Ben and Williams over the top and then Bo getting hurt and going down. That was definitely a, a tough way for that one to end. Great questions so far. Keep them rolling. Uh, I'm still working through these ones on Twitter. So let's, let's see how long it takes me. And then I'll get to some of these ones in the live chat because you guys are tuned in and uh, I want to want to reward that show that appreciation. All right. Next question comes from Jessica Lee. Jessica asks, I'm interested to hear a general overview about how you process recruitment news. How do you collect info, i.e. sources, Twitter, etc.? Do you speak directly to the players themselves or do you gather info like the rest of us and try to put the pieces together? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, part of me is like, oh, I don't really want to share this because it's my secret sauce, but I feel like I can I can have a good answer to this one and, and not a uh, not give away too terribly much. Um, so I think that there's a couple of different approaches um, to this one. Uh, when you're looking at just recruitment news, like top schools, visits, um, like for example, you know, Jason Brown, who just had his top schools released, that's a pretty straightforward newser. Um, so you just look at uh, usually the recruit sharing that news on their social media, or, you know, they'll do a, a, a collab on social media with uh, with like Hayes Fawcett or some other people. And then you can kind of operate off of that and then build your story around that. Give some background info on like where they've been taking trips, uh, who they're crystal balled to, or like if I've interviewed them, I do oftentimes, um, you know, to your question, Jessica, I do speak with recruits pretty much every week. Uh, I want to definitely ramp that up as far as the interviews go on my, uh, on my website on Ducks Digest, but I do often speak to the players themselves um, and then you also have, you know, sources uh, around the Oregon program in Eugene. Um, and then you also have, uh, you know, just other people that I've met on the recruiting trail on the high school scene. Um, 
think things like that. So sometimes I'll reach out to them um, and, and see if I can kind of pick their brains about things um, and, you know, kind of try to get your, get my scoop. And um, sometimes you just have to kind of put your neck out there and, and, and you know, make a guess, go with your gut. Um, I've, I've started to do those prediction stories and they haven't all been right. I know that I predicted Roger Pleasant to USC and that one didn't end up being right. Um, but I was getting some intel kind of the morning of his commitment that uh, it was going to be Oregon, but I, I didn't want to, you know, I feel like I couldn't really change it that last minute. But um, yeah, I think part of it too, sometimes there's just guys that are hard to get a hold of. And sometimes there's just guys that are hard to get any intel on. So I'll have to kind of scrub through, you know, the 247 sites, the rival sites, uh, sometimes on three, if, if stuff isn't behind a paywall, just to see if I can say, you know, this is reportedly happening. They're reportedly going to visit this school, reportedly view this as a leader. Um, and that's when I can't confirm things firsthand myself, either through the recruit, through a source or through social media. So it's really up in the air. It depends on the situation. Um, but more often than not, I try to just contact the recruit themselves, get it in their words. It's their recruitment. And I want to tell their story. Uh, usually, you know, the way that they want it told, I don't want to be putting out false narratives. I want to be generating a story or putting a story out there just to get clicks. Um, there, there are recruits that, uh, I feel like Oregon has identified and prioritized and I try to cover those guys. And um, that's why I post stories about them, even when they don't go to Oregon, because you can't get everybody. And then when they go somewhere else, maybe Oregon will stay involved, like with Nate Frazier, or they'll have to pivot and uh, go for another guy on their uh, on their big board. So that's a little bit more insight in, uh, into how I, uh, how I uh, write my recruiting stories and how I kind of approach it. Um, but there's even more to that. Um, so it's, it's definitely a loaded one, but appreciate the question. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's see what is next. Uh, okay, this one comes from OSP couple, a little bit of a repeat, so maybe we won't talk about all of this one, but OSP asks, how are you feeling about Aiden Breland and Brandon Baker? Are we getting outbid by Texas for Baker? With Jordan James as a powerful third string running back, do we see Dante Dowdell possibly getting playtime? Is Ty the guy to start Oregon out in the Big Ten next year or still not ready? So I've already talked about Aiden Breland, so you can go back and, and uh, listen to that one. 
I don't want to repeat too much. Let's talk about Jordan James first. So Jordan James is a guy that's getting a lot of hype here in fall camp. He played a lot of football as a true freshman, was pretty effective for the Ducks, coming out of Tennessee, flipping from Georgia uh, late in his recruiting process after Carlos Lachlan got hired. Um, but as, a, as it pertains to Dante Dowdell, I think you could see him getting playing time, I, but mainly I see him as a guy that they – try to use that four game redshirt rule to their advantage. So maybe they play him four games and then they try to hold him out unless they really, really need him. Um, Oregon's running back room is just stacked, you know, Bucky, Noah, Bucky Irving, Noah Whittington and Jordan James. Uh, I think that they're in a really good spot where you don't, I don't think you want to be in the spot where you have to play Dante Dowdell or Jaden Lamar. I think that you'd like to be in a spot where you can play those guys when you're blowing teams out like Portland state and Hawaii, maybe they can blow out Texas tech, you know, work in that non-con slate to get those guys some valuable college reps because they are probably going to end up redshirting them. That said, I think running back is one of those few spots in college football where you don't need, you know, a year or two of development. You can kind of just hit the ground running pun intended, I guess, and, and go for it. So um, I think we do see Dante Dowdell seeing some playing time and, and seeing the field. He's probably the more college ready back. If you're just looking at him and Jaden Lamar, um, both of those guys enrolled early. So it doesn't really feel like anyone got a head start. Uh, Dowdell is probably a little bit more battle tested. If you're looking at the comparison of uh, high school talent that they played Dowdell being out in the South in Mississippi, and then Jaden Lamar playing Washington football, uh, up in the Northwest, um, you know, not a slight, that's just fact. Mississippi football is uh, producing a lot more high-level recruits than Washington. Um, so that's kind of my answer on that. And then you also have uh, the second part of this question, is Ty the guy to start Oregon out in the Big Ten next year or still not ready? Uh, as of right now, in uh, in August of 2023, I'm going to say no. Um, I, I just haven't seen it from him on the field. Maybe my answer changes if he puts it together and uh, shows us something different on the field in 2024, 2023, excuse me. But as of right now, I think you're either looking at maybe Austin Novosad or probably a transfer portal guy. Um, that said, I don't, I don't know if Novosad's body is physically ready for a college ball just yet. So even though Oregon's done a really good job recruiting the position and they have a lot of guys there, I think that you're just always going to look in the transfer portal to see what your top options are and, and who's willing to listen to you. Um, I think Malik Murphy is someone to watch out of the University of Texas. Uh, I don't want to talk about this too much because the 23 season hasn't even started yet. Uh, but with uh, with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning out in Austin, I think that's a pretty crowded quarterback room. And uh, if I'm Malik Murphy, I want to play. I didn't I didn't commit here to to sit on the bench. So he's he's a really really gifted quarterback. I saw him at the Elite Eleven along with Quinn Ewers in 2021. Um, that dude's huge, incredibly physically gifted. The ball flies out of his hand and he's a West coast guy. So obviously that's a guy that I think Oregon would have a, a decent chance with if they ended up pursuing him in the transfer portal. All right, let's see what we got next here. Um, Kenneth Swain, Kenneth Swain asks, do you think Oregon being ranked 15th in the AP poll is justified? This is an interesting one because a lot of people, I think, um, thought that was a little bit too low for Oregon. And I think to justify that, you have to look at some of the teams that are ranked ahead of them. 
Um, I think one that is is really interesting uh, being ahead of them is uh, is Washington at number 10. Um, even though they beat Oregon last year, uh, I just don't know if we've seen enough of them from them defensively to justify being at number 10. So maybe actually, let me see if I can just bring this, bring this over here. Look at that. Look at that wizardry. Um, okay. Here's the, the full AP poll. Um, but yeah, the question was, do you think Oregon being ranked number 15 in the AP poll is justified? So I don't necessarily think that Washington should be number 10. Um, Texas is interesting. I mean, they, they overhauled a lot of their roster. I think Utah being ahead of them makes sense. I'd probably put Oregon maybe, maybe more in that 11 or 10 range. Um, because you have to think about it. This is the first season in quite some time that Oregon's had a returning starting quarterback, the caliber of Bo Nix. I mean, it hasn't happened since 2019 when Justin Herbert came back. So I think that carries a tremendous amount of weight in terms of just what a team is capable of and where they can ultimately go. And then you have to also, I think, look at how Oregon's, uh, Oregon's movements in the transfer portal, their additions kind of undervalued in my eyes bringing in guys like Jordan Birch, Justin Jacobs, Kyrie Jackson, Nico Reed, um, uh, Taishim Johnson, and uh, Evan Williams. Like, I think they did a really good job, at least on paper right now. I think they did a really good job of, of filling in and addressing some of those needs that they have. Look at the offensive line. You lose a lot of uh, proven vets there, and you bring in uh, Nishad Struther from East Carolina, Ajani Cornelius from Rhode Island and Junior Angelau from Texas, you're not looking at a, at a bad offensive line. It's just a little bit of an unknown because you have to see how those transfer portal guys are going to slide in and uh, how that competition is going to go with some of those returners at the offensive line. Wide receiver, loaded. Running back, loaded. Question uh, question mark is tight end. Uh, what they're going to be able to do aside from Terrence Ferguson and Patrick Herbert. Kenyon Sadiq, 6'3", 235 pounds, not exactly a college-ready tight end right now because he was used as a receiver quite a bit during his high school years, during his senior season in Idaho at Skyline. So that's a tough one. But I don't think you see a lot of glaring deficiencies, and I don't think that 15 is justified. I think it should be a little bit higher, probably closer to that top 10 range. Um, this is Dan Lanning's second year, so I think that he's going to – He's going to have a better feel of what works and what doesn't work, what kind of uh, team he wants the Ducks to be. Um, and, and I think that I wonder if Oregon would be ranked differently here if those Washington and Oregon State games fell differently because the Washington game was super close. And then in Oregon State, there's just two very different losses. Oregon State, no one was playing with any heart. It felt like you know the Ducks just looked like they didn't want to be there, especially on defense. Uh, and then that Washington game was just a super tough break down uh, down at the end. If, if they scored on that long drive, I wonder if they would have been able to go on to win. Um, but yeah, Tennessee ahead of them, that makes sense. Um, USC at number six is very interesting to me. I mean, if you're talking about Oregon's defense being questionable, I don't know how the heck you don't think USC's defense is questionable. Yes, I understand they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Williams, but the last time I checked, you got to play offense and defense to win a game. So I think that that one is just absolutely crazy to me. Um, so I, I don't think Oregon being at 15 is justified. I'm not saying that they should be the highest-ranked Pac-12 team, but being where they are, I, I don't think that uh, that's where I would have put them, probably closer to like 
11 or 10 